I'm going to start a series here on the Beatitudes, and so we'll be studying this for probably the next few weeks, excluding next week, because next week we're going we're going to have a uh, we're going to have combine service next week. But first, before that, I just want to thank everybody for your prayers for my father. He's a he's a very very stubborn man. He lives with me, and so he got very very ill yesterday morning, and so he wasn't feeling good. He wasn't able to eat. He wasn't. Um, you know, able to, you know, drink any water or anything like that. He was feeling very, very ill. And so he, instead of telling me, he called my uncle. And he told my uncle uh, that he's very sick, but he also told my uncle not to tell me. Because he said, if you tell Chang, he's going to make me go to the hospital. So I don't want you to tell Chang at all. And so my uncle, um, fortunately, my uncle called me up. And my uncle says, you, you got to go downstairs. You got to go see your father. He's, he's very ill. And I went down there, and of course... I did what um, he didn't want me to do was I, I made him go to the hospital. <laughs> and so, um, you know, when he got to the hospital, they said that he was uh, showing signs of having a stroke and having a heart attack. And so um, they, they kept him, you know, there at the hospital. And so he's going to be there. Hopefully he gets to come home today. But we'll, we'll see. We will see. And I, I just want to thank you guys so much for, um, for your prayers for my father. Like I said, I also went to visit Barbara yesterday. And um, she's in high spirits. Um, as we all know, she's been diagnosed with cancer, um, but um, she's in high spirits. And um, I, I, my wife and I, along with Eli, we went to visit her yesterday. We went to pray for her. And then after that, we had a little Hmong wedding, which was a con- continuation of the wedding that was here with Pao and um, his wife. And then um, I had to go over there, too. So it's been a busy weekend, but um, you know, I enjoy just spending the time with, with everybody. And it's such a great, great pleasure just to be able to Um, visit everybody and just be around everybody. But like I said, we're going to start talking about the Beatitudes. And today I don't think we're going to be able to get into any of them because we're going to focus mostly on just the introduction as Matthew is introducing us to this person, to this Jesus, to this Jesus that is preaching this sermon for us. And as he's opening his mouth and as he's preaching out these words, as he's making these proclamations for us, before, before we talk about that, I want to share a little story with you guys. Two friends, they grew up together. They, they were born in the same city, same town. Very, very good friends, the best of friends. One of those, one of the friends, he was a Christian. He went to church every single Sunday. He served in the church. He taught Sunday school. He was very active in the church, and he went to that church. He went to church every Sunday. But the other friend, you say they did everything together. But the only thing they didn't do together was they didn't go to church together. That other friend, he didn't care for the church. He didn't care for Jesus. He didn't care to do anything for the church. And so Sundays, he'd rather just stay home and do his own thing. But you know that friend that was really into Jesus, he he wanted his best friend to know Christ so much. He wanted his best friend to come to receive Christ, to make Christ his Lord and his Savior. And so one day there was, a, there was a pastor that came into town. And this pastor was a great evangelist. He was a great evangelist. And every time he preached, he would invite people up into, to the altar and he would pray for them as they received Jesus Christ. And he was a great preacher of the gospel. He can put the gospel in a way that people can just absolutely understand their need for Jesus Christ. And so this friend who was a Christian, he was so excited about this. He was like, you know, this, this is the chance. This is the opportunity. 
This is the opportunity for me to be able to bring my friend and bring him to this event. To listen to this pastor, to listen to this evangelist preach. And I'm sure, I'm sure he's thinking to himself, I'm sure that after he hears the message of the gospel, after he hears, hears the message of salvation that's being preached by this pastor, I'm pretty positive that he's going to go up. He's going to walk up to the altar and he's going to accept Jesus Christ and he's going to become a Christian. And so he invited his friend who didn't care for church. And his friend went along with him. And his friend went along with him, and they went there, and they listened to this pastor, this evangelist preached. And wow, he was a tremendous preacher. He was a tremendous preacher. And after he preached the message of the gospel, he did, he did what he's known for. He invited people up into the altar, and he says, come up, come, come and receive Christ. And people would get in line, thousands of people would get in line, and they would walk up to the front of the altar, and they would get down on their knees and they would cry they would weep for their sins and they would they would pray to receive Jesus Christ into their life and there are many counselors there there are other pastors there that would help this pastor just pray for these people so that they can come and accept Jesus Christ into their life but as they were doing this this friend this friend that didn't care for Christ he didn't care to walk up at all he just sat there. He just sat there. And after the event, they went home. And the Christian friend asked his non-Christian friend, and he said, you know, we've been, we, we've been friends since we are little kids. We grew up together. We do everything together. We do everything together. And there's only one thing that I would like to see you do, because this is about life, and this is about death. This is about eternity. And there's just one thing that I really want to see you do. I want you to come to know our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to come to know my Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to accept Christ into your life. And all these years we've been, we've been friends. And we've been doing so many things together. But you have not received Christ. And why is that? What's going on? And his non-Christian friend looked at him, and his non-Christian friend said to him, the reason why I don't receive Christ, the reason why I don't see a need for Christ is because when I look at your life, when I look at my life, there is no difference. I have yet to see Christ change your life because all the things that I do in my life, when I curse, you curse with me. When I steal, you steal with me. When I do all these bad things, you go to church every Sunday. You praise God every Sunday. But I have yet to see Christ change your life. And that's why I don't feel the need for Jesus Christ. And many times in our lives as Christians, as we try to bring people to Christ, one of the reasons why it's so hard for us to do that it's because we have yet to really open up our lives to Christ. And this Jesus that is supposed to be in our life, this Jesus that's supposed to set us free, this Jesus that's supposed to transform us, regenerate our hearts, to make this heart of stone and turn it into, into a heart of flesh that will respond to God. This Jesus 
that we say we worship has yet to change our lives. And it makes it so difficult, so difficult, because as other people are watching us, and they're, they're, they're thinking to themselves that, you know, how powerful is this God that they have? How powerful is this Jesus? And yet this Jesus is not working in our lives. And so it makes it so hard as people watch us to come to serve Jesus Christ. As we look at the church nowadays, one of the things that we see is that we see that, that there are many, many preachers. Many people who can preach the Word of God. Many pastors who can preach the Word of God with so much passion. They can do that. We see so many leaders in the church who knows how to run the church, who comes to church every single Sunday. But the Word of God says we are to be the salt of this world. We are to be the light of this world. And one of the things that is missing from many churches is that even though we preach and we talk, but we never put anything into action. And as the world look upon us, they see us as just people who talk, but never do anything about it. And so as we look further into, into the Sermon of the Mount, we see Jesus Christ talking about us being the salt of this world, being the light of this world. And we wonder to ourselves, how can I go about being that? What, what am I to do? What can I do to be that for the world? The thing is that before those verses, Jesus Christ gave us the Beatitudes, that as a Christian, this is how you are to be light. This is how you can be the light to this world. This is how you are to be the salt of this world. And if we lose any of these, then we can no longer be the salt and the light of this world. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodists, saw the Beatitudes as steps in a Christian's life. He saw the Beatitudes as something that was working in us and our lives progressively from one step to the next. Now, whether or not we agree with John Wesley, that's besides the point. But that's how John Wesley, that's how he saw the Beatitudes, that they were the steps in a Christian's life, that you would progress from one to the next. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preacher, one of the greatest preacher to ever live. Charles Spurgeon said this about the Beatitudes. He said that they are, they are a wonderfully perfect chain of seven priceless links. A wonderfully perfect chain of seven priceless links. And of course, there's, there's debates on whether there's seven, eight, or ten, and things like that. You can read, read the scripture, you can figure that out for yourself. But Charles Spurgeon saw seven, seven qualities here, seven beatitudes here. And he referred to these things as a wonderfully perfect chain of seven priceless links. And as we come upon the beatitudes, as we come upon these verses here in this chapter here. In verse 1 and verse 2, this is what it says. Now when he saw the crowds, he, referring to Jesus Christ, when he, Jesus Christ saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Some Bible version says that he opens his mouth to teach them. And the first word that comes is the word blessed. And interestingly, that's, that's an interesting thing. That he would use the very first, and his, 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 his sermon 
in his sermon, he would, he would open up that sermon with that very word, blessed. Because if we were to turn back 400 years earlier, back into the Old Testament and the book of Malachi, we see that very last word in the book, in the Old Testament. That very last word is the word cursed. Or it is the word, or some, some versions were translated as the word destruction. Curse or destruction. So as the Old Testament closes up, with the word curse, as the Old Testament closes up with the word destruction, Jesus Christ opens up his ministry by proclaiming blessedness to the people. By saying, blessed, blessed. This book, the book of Matthew, is out of all the Gospels, the book of Matthew is probably the most Jewish book in nature. Because Matthew was writing to a Jewish audience. He was writing to a Jewish audience, and he wanted them to know exactly who this Jesus Christ was. And as he was introducing, as Matthew was introducing this sermon, he, he, he let us know, or he let his audience know, that this person who was speaking here today, that he went up on a mountainside. You see, for you and I, that might not mean so much to us. In our culture, in our context, what the heck does that mean? But for the Jewish culture, that means so much for them. Because as Jesus Christ went up on a mountainside, they understood that thousands of years earlier, Moses also went up a mountain. That Moses also went up a mountain. And as Moses went up on that mountain, Moses went to receive the laws of God. And Moses, as Moses went up on that mountain, Moses went to, to hear what God wanted to say. And, G, and God was telling Moses that, Moses, this is what you are to say to my people. And that's why we read the, 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 the Exodus verse earlier. Because we see, we see that God was telling Moses, that Moses, this is what you're going to say. You're going to say this. You're going to say that to my people. And yet here, here in this verse, Matthew is showing us that here is someone that's coming along. And he is greater than Moses. He is so much greater than Moses because as he is going up on this mountain, he is not waiting for anybody to say that you are to say this or you are to say that. But as he goes up on this mountain, he proclaims it himself. That this Jesus, that this person that is walking up this mountainside, he is God himself. And he doesn't have to wait anymore. He doesn't have to wait for anybody else to tell him what to say. But he can simply proclaim the message. He can simply proclaim what it means to live in the kingdom of God. What it means to be a Christian. That's what, Moses, that's what Matthew is trying to communicate to us. And that's how his audience, as they heard this, they understood that this is greater. This person, this Jesus that's going up this mountainside, he is greater than any prophets. Any prophet that we've ever seen before, that we've ever heard from before, that he is God himself. He is God himself. We also see that as, as this introduction here by Matthew opens up, he says that he, referring to Jesus Christ, he saw the crowds. Jesus always had a certain, certain passion for the crowd. The Word of God teaches us here in Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, and it says this, that when Jesus landed and saw a big crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. 
In Mark chapter 6, verse 34, it says, When Jesus landed and he saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. The Word of God also teaches us how the disciples, how the disciples view the crowds. How the disciples reacted when they saw these crowds. And there's a big, big difference because in Mark chapter 6, verse 36, verse 37, it says, the disciples are saying, send the people away. You see, they're saying, send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and they can buy for themselves something to eat. And yet Jesus answered and Jesus said, you give them something to eat. You see, you don't wait for other people. You don't wait for, for you don't send them away. You don't ignore them, but they need something. So you, you must take upon that responsibility to give them something to eat. And how did the disciples, how did they respond? They went back to just simply thinking about themselves. They didn't have this compassion. They didn't have this, this love, this grace for, this, for the crowd. They're trying to get rid of them. And, and that's why they, they responded by saying, Jesus, you know what? That would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? You see the differences in the attitude towards the crowd. Now we as Christians, what are we to do? Are we to be compassionate towards people? When you see a crowd that is in need of something, that they have no shepherd, they have, they have no one to lead them, they have no one to teach them. You see a crowd that is, is suffering, how are you going to respond? Are you going to respond like how the disciples responded and say, you know what, just go ahead and send them away because it's going to cost us so much to be able to feed them. It's going to cost us too much. So just send them away. Or are we going to respond like Jesus Christ responded and he says, give them something to eat. It is our responsibility to give them something to eat. And so are we compassionate towards these crowds? Are we compassionate towards people that we see that are suffering? Or do we simply want to send them away? In our hearts, in our lives, do we really want to help them as Christ helped them? Or do we simply want to push them to other people and say, you know what, these other people can help you. You go over here or you go over there. And we don't take upon the responsibility ourselves to take care of the crowd, to take care of the people that are suffering. How do we as Christians nowadays, as, we are, as we're going to be the light unto this world, as we're going to be the salt in this world, how are we going to respond? How are we going to re respond? So we see Jesus Christ, every time he saw the crowd, he always had this compassion towards them. And this is how I defined this compassion for us. This is how I define the word compassion. It is the ability to see someone else's pain and suffering. It is the willingness to put yourself in their shoes and to act with a passion that is driven by love and kindness to help resolve them from their sufferings and pain. Do we have that as a church? Do we have that as Christians? Are we following Christ? Are we being Christ-like? Are we simply speaking? Are we simply gathering together every week and going home and doing nothing and pushing people, you know, pushing people away, just how the disciples were pushing people away? How are we like 
we also see the similarities and differences between Moses and Jesus. As I said before, Moses went up to receive the word. Exodus chapter 19 verse 3 says, this is what you are to say. This is God speaking to Moses. Exodus chapter 19 verse 7, the Lord had commanded him to speak. Exodus chapter 19 verse 9, the Lord said to Moses. Exodus chapter 19 verse 10, the Lord said to Moses. You see, everything Moses did was to receive the word and pass the word on. And Jesus simply began to teach. He simply opened his mouth to teach. We also see in the time of Moses that there was a limit to what can be done because of who Moses was. There was a fear. There was a limit to, to it. And Exodus chapter 19 verse 12 says, put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not go up the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall, share, shall surely be put to death. You see, Moses, with Moses, with Moses, people were being told to stay away. You can't get too close. You can't get too close. There's a limit there. But with Jesus Christ, there is no limit. There is no limit, you see, amen? There is no limit. With Jesus Christ, we see that we are invited to come. There is nothing that's standing in the way that we are simply invited to come. And each and every single one of us, no matter what our background is, no matter where we came from, no matter what our culture is, no matter what our ethnicity is, we can simply come to Christ freely, freely. That's the difference. That's the difference between Jesus and the prophets of old, between Jesus and Moses. And so that's why Matthew wants us to understand that these Beatitudes, this Sermon on the Mount here, you need to take it to heart. Because this is not, a, this is not simply just another man speaking. This is God speaking to you. This is God speaking to you. And this is what God is saying that you must be like. Now, how are we going to respond to that? How are we going to respond to what the Lord himself says to us? You see, I told you, yeah, we're not going to be able to get to the Beatitudes this week. This is, this is just the intro to the Beatitudes, the intro to the Mount, Sermon on the Mount. And so I want us to reflect upon that as we're going to study this, this sermon and we're going to study the Beatitudes. I want us to reflect upon it. Is this just another man that is speaking to us? Or is this Jesus really is who he say he is? Is he really God? If he's just another man, there's no, there's no reason for us to pay attention to him. There's no need for us to pay attention to him. I'd rather be watching football on Sundays if he was just another man. I love football. I really do. I love the 49ers. I, I mean, they're not so good anymore, but I love them. You know, but if this is God, if this is God speaking to us, then we are to forsake all things and pay attention. All right, let us pray. Father, we thank you so much, Father. We thank you so much as we study your words together. We pray that you will be with us, Father. Father, we know and we understand that we're sinners, and before you there's many things that we, we come short, Father. But we rely solely upon your love and your grace to transform us and to help us. And so, Father, we ask, we ask for your love and your grace. We ask for your mercy. 
And we ask for your wisdom. Father, I lift up everyone here in our church here up to you. And I pray for them. Please be with them and love them always. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.